In this episode, the travel company ballooning in 2020 until governments enforced border closures and countries were sent into lockdown. Welcome to the War Nomads podcast, delivered by War Nomads, the travel lifestyle and insurance brand. It's not your usual travel podcast. It's everything for the adventurous, independent traveler. Hi, it is Kim and Phil. Our chat with Atlas Obscura shortly. But what's the latest news surrounding travel, Phil? Okay, the vice president of the European Commission has told Brits it's safe to holiday in Europe this summer despite coronavirus. But look, that's contradicting what the UK Health Secretary is saying. They say Britons would be more likely than not to have to forego any international travel this year. So what a surprise the the British and the Europeans are arguing. Communication breakdown then. Yeah, I think that was the point of the big referendum anyway. Look, it's even worse for Australians with any overseas travel not expected to return anywhere near normal until at least 2023. So that's a shock. Yeah. Uh, look, recent research estimates that 3 billion people live in countries where their borders are closed to non-citizens and non-residents due to COVID-19. That is a lot of people looking for hobbies, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Tao Tao and Tina are from Atlas Obscura. It's an online travel magazine and tour company. Phil, you and I caught up with them to see how things are travelling or not. Uh, grown. <laughs> <laughs> with their operations, including looking after their customers during COVID. It's, uh, it's been, you know, it's been a roller coaster. I think um, being, you know, operating trips, we, this started to affect us really um, back in January because we had trips that were um, running to Vietnam um, at that time. And we even at that time had a, a China trip scheduled for March. So it's something that we, you know, really started uh, affecting us in January. Um, and then in March really just kind of came to um, a head with, uh, you know, really just suspending trips and canceling trips um, across the board because of all the restrictions that really started to come down really heavily. Um, and then when those restrictions came down, I mean, March 13th was a day where we had, um, you know, we had guests in destination, we had guests in Tunisia, and the day before we had guests that were just about to return home from Galicia and Spain. So it was pretty much a mad dash, you know, all hands on deck to make sure that we could communicate with our guests and, um, you know, work to try to get them um, connected to the proper channels for rebookings so that they could um, get home safely and just to really keep them informed as best we could as the information was changing minute by minute. And that's pretty much, um, at least on my side as the guest experience manager, that's been our main push and goal is to really try to, you know, keep in front of um, the information as best we can and keep our travelers informed as these updates start to develop. So you look after guest experience, Tao Tao, your operations. So how did it affect you? So I think one thing to keep in mind is that Atlas Obscura's trips program is quite new. It's pretty young. In 2016, we had three departures. In 2017, we had 12. And we had over 120 scheduled for 2020. So this was our big year. We had started really small and we were scaling quickly. So um, it was tough to have this happen in the year that we were really kicking it up to a much bigger notch and then to have to scale back so quickly. So I feel like that was an overarching 
feeling looking at this is we got, we went big so quickly and then we had to really retract. And I think operationally that affects our relationships with the people we partner with on trips and our trips are run on such an individual basis, often with one or two people in that destination. It's rarely with a DMC. Um, And so we're really relying on those relationships. And we had really leaned on those people and built those relationships from one trip a year to eight or 10. Um, And so figuring out how to manage it responsibly and, and take that in into consideration um, and just be mindful of how we're all working through this together. It really came down to being just just really thoughtful about how to approach those relationships, both for how the rest of this year unfolds and also how we approach next year. Yeah, because that's the thing. Everybody, you know, as travellers, we think about how all of this has affected others, the traveller. But when you're in a business like this, you've got all these other people who are relying on you and you've got to, you know, you've got to consider them as well. Especially for these people who so many of our trip leaders weren't in tourism. They aren't in tourism. Uh, and so to go from just a couple trips to a lot of the people I work with now running so many, they'd made a shift. And so this of course affects that shift. Uh, and so they need to figure out how to shift back or whatever it might be. What do you think guests are going to be looking for from tour providers and companies like, like yours? Sure. I mean, I think that that is the the million dollar question, you know, that everybody Literally. the billion dollar question. the billion dollar question, and there are there's there are so many conversations, you know, going on in the industry of, around that, and I think that um, I, I mean, I do think that there is going to be somewhat of a of a surge in, in particular markets. And I think that there's going to be a retraction in others. Um, I think that the main thing is that, and what we've been trying to do at Atlas Obscura in this time is maintaining the trust of our guests. I think that people really are going to want to travel with companies that they trust, um, that they know will communicate with transparency and um, with clarity. And that's something, you know, that we've been working really hard to do because I think across the board that is going to be important, Um, especially when you're in a situation where, like I said before, nobody really knows exactly what's going to happen. But if you're with a company that you feel confident will be able to um, provide the correct information and get you in and out of whatever situation may be, that that's going to be of a priority for people when they're choosing a company. Taltal, you are also creating new ways of engaging travellers. Can you expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Like so many brands out there, we're trying to figure out new ways to stay in touch with our audience. And we are really trying to, again, take our trip leaders, take our partners and showcase them and their skill sets and their expertise and also just their enthusiasm for leading trips and the places that they're so dedicated to. So one recent effort is doing a video series um, highlighting some of those trip leaders and their kind of love letters to the places that they live and they lead trips. So that might be Naples or Beijing or New York City. So ways of both celebrating the people you are traveling with when you do take our trip and the places that they're going to, sh- to show you. So trying to bring those places to life in, in different ways. Um, and that's one example. We have our trips blog, which is 
fairly new and really trying to be creative and things we do there. Our trip leader in Winnipeg, Manitoba, for example, he has written books um, and is really well-versed in Masonic architecture, all kinds of symbolic mysteries. It's more complicated than I can understand, but he came up with some riddles, some really neat riddles based on locations in the Atlas Obscure database, um, one of which is included in the Winnipeg trip for the audience, and those were put on our Instagram. So those are just two examples of finding new and creative ways to engage with these places from afar. The type of trips that you're running as well, that's not, you know, mainstream mass tourism. I, I hold a view that people will be wanting to avoid crowds. So we might actually manage to cure over tourism um, mm-hmm. throughout of this crisis. So and what that means for people who travel, they're going to be, I think they're going to be looking for more responsible and sustainable ways of traveling. But I might be a complete fool. So I'm wondering what you think about that. I would agree. And I feel like that's a trend that's been gathering steam and this is just going to catalyze it and really throw it into the next year as people are thinking more about the environment, about their own health, about community health. So I think we are sort of anticipating and we're seeing indications that people are looking to spend time in wider open places, both because there's fewer people, but also because for the folks who are in cities right now, they're just eager for a different, a different scenery. Um, so I, I would agree with that, um, but I'm curious what Tina might think. I, I agree wholeheartedly because I, I also think that part of the, what's going to fuel this surge is that people really want to connect with other um, places um, and other people, even within social distancing. Um, they just, people are craving an experience that is outside of the four walls and the screens that we've been looking at. And so I think it will be really important that they, um, that there are options for the smaller group intimate um, immersions in a culture, in a community or around certain traditions. And um, that's something that, you know, Tao Tao and the managers focus on when creating and programming our trips. From the interviews that we've been doing, there's a suggestion that there will be a huge shift towards uh, nature and health and well-being as, as part of um, a, a trip or an adventure. Would you agree with that? I could not agree more. So I'm currently in rural Massachusetts. And I think that combining that last question with this one, there's wide open spaces, but I think there's an eagerness for knowledge and understanding. And I think where I'm feeling that most is in the natural world and in nature. I know that indigenous chefs have found uh, a renewed interest from younger cooks in how to use nature. And I think that's just one example of many. So I think that will be a big area and it's not one where we have a lot. So it's one we're starting to look at um, much more in terms of nature, outdoor wildlife. I have been looking up ways to forage almost every day. So I would jump at any sort of experience that taught me those skills um, from a personal standpoint. We spoke with Will Hatton, the broke backpacker, and I just loved this one single piece of advice that he gave for content creators is to get on Google Trends and see what people want. And Phil laughs at this because I think he gets Martha Stewart vibes, but he's suggesting that home and garden is an area where content creators could be thriving at the moment. 
home travel, do you think, or what do you, where are you getting there, Kim? Oh, just, yeah, from tra- home and garden, but, yeah, where am I going? Oh, no, I suppose foraging fits into that, doesn't it? That's where, I'll, that's where it came from, yes, foraging, <laughs> yes. It makes sense. It's kind of travelling around your own yard, right? Your garden turns into your national park, your local park um, equivalent. So just trying to understand every inch of that as much as possible feels kind of like one way to focus that desire to explore and desire to just understand new things in a in a condensed place. Thank you. You made me sound yeah. funny. <laughs> what town's house it? Yeah, what town's house it? I think a little bit along the same lines too is is the idea that people will will start to kind of have do tourism, but within a, within a smaller radius. So instead of taking a long, you know, trip um, internationally or something that's really way outside of your radius, that even something that's you know a five hour drive from you now becomes your your tourism destination. There's a thought. Do you think the the gloss has come off international tourism overseas? Not not necessarily. I just think it's more about um, shifting the lens on the fact that travel does not only mean that you're taking a 10 hour plane ride, but that travel also means that you can be taking a 10 hour car ride. And I think that that has been a little bit like um, that hasn't been as romantic as maybe the longer um international trips have been in recent years and maybe that will make a comeback. I don't think it's going to take the gloss off of international travel. I don't think anything will ever do that. I think it will, it will add a certain gloss, maybe a different type of gloss where it feels more special. I was reading Catherine Ham, um, LA travel editors newsletter today. And she was talking about how air travel has gone from feeling like a right to feeling like a privilege. And I feel like the same with international travel um, because it's become so accessible, both price-wise and time-wise, it's starting to feel like a right. Like everyone can take a trip to Europe and now it will go back to feeling more like a privilege, not necessarily because of the, the price and time, but just because of the mentality, perhaps. Well, you guys have done a great job of managing the pandemic and also some great ideas for moving forward. I don't know about you, Phil, but I've been jotting a few down. Yeah, good. <laughs> so thanks for chatting to us thanks for having us thanks for having us yes a total pleasure ladies links to atlas obscura in show notes including their online experiences that you heard about in that chat yep i'll be taking a look next episode we'll meet olivia she's stranded in a bungalow in rural thailand She's got a great story, actually. And don't forget to reach out to us with yours at podcast at worldnomads.com. See ya. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.